Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. My name is Krista Williams and I am so glad you're here. I am Lindsay Simsek. I'm also glad you're here. We're on a couch. We're Thank chilling on a couch. Trying to find the perfect position of our body. I'm trying yes. to find the arch in my back, the arm away from the body. Yep. As a as a eight eight months pregnant, I'm like, wow, this is how can beautiful. I get the curve? You look but at great. least you, I know it. Well, I have my I have to fully face you during this whole interview because this is my good side. We were on my bad side last interview and I was tanky because of it. Oh. That's one thing. If you have enough photos taken of yourself, you realize that you have a good side or a bad side. I just haven't gone there to analyze it yet because I'm like, what? I can't. I did it in college. Because then I'll forget. I was like, oh, something's going on with me. In some photos I like and some photos I didn't. So I studied and said, what do I like? Yeah, what do I not? It's a good idea. Yeah. It makes you more confident when you figure totally. out your angles or how totally. to move or it's like knowing like what to wear, yes. knowing like what works. For it's your not body. even vanity. It's setting yourself up for success. I guess it is vanity because if I think I have my bad angle showing, <laughs> it, it is I'm a beast. <laughs> if you're new to Almost 30, welcome. We're so grateful you're here. Thank you to the person that told you about Almost 30. Lindsay and I have been doing this for about seven years now. It is our full-time thing. We have an amazing team that supports us with our courses and programs, our membership, the podcast itself, and all the amazing things that we do at Almost 30. We're a community of women, mostly all over the world, and we're here to support you in your conscious evolution in talking about things that have been helpful for us, that have been influential for us. And today's episode is going to be so much fun. It will be with Lindsay and I. So we'll do interviews, solo episodes, and then we'll have conversations with Lindsay and I where we can talk about things like attachment styles, which is the conversation we will be having today, which I'm excited about because I feel very qualified in the fact that we've navigated our own attachment transitions and conversations, and we now feel very securely attached. Mm. So just a, you know, caveat to this, this work is best done in therapy. This work is best done with someone that is qualified to walk you through the process to support you in this. This is going to be Lindsay and I's education of the topic, our understanding of the topic, in going through our own journey and going through our own work that you've seen on the podcast and the work that we've done behind the scenes. So it's not going to be end all be all. There's probably better resources for more accurate scientific information, but we just want to share the information that's helpful for us. Mm-hmm. And we get asked a lot, you know, whether it's in the DMs or in person and or reflected back that, oh my God, you guys are actual friends. <laughs> and so much of what I've understood is our success is our ability to invest in our relationship and such a huge piece of understanding our relationship and its evolution and just getting to a place where it feels really secure, really healthy was this work around attachment style. So I'm really excited to get into that. And also, you know, I feel like, and I'm curious, the audience listening we kind of neglect these areas of our life because there are so many things happening. 
right? Like we're trying to get ahead. We're trying to reach our goals, become successful, kind of do all the things. And we're not giving time and attention, really love and energy to the core dynamics in our relationships. And then we're not realizing that those are actually holding us back from the things that we really want. So if this conversation feels like one that you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to get into this. Like that's something that I'm kind of avoiding in my life. I hear you, but the moment or seasons where we have really leaned in, it's brought us so much perspective, so much of a feeling of liberation from something that we didn't know we were kind of weighed down by. So just to say that off the back, because I know sometimes these conversations, like people want more tactical and like, how do I reach my goals? It's like, mm-hmm. this is one of those things that people don't talk about as like secret sauce. It is secret sauce. And I remember for so long feeling, it's like if you've ever had the experience of feeling in your body, the anxious feeling when you're waiting for someone to respond to you or text you, or you've called your partner 20 times because they're not answering, or you've got, it's like when we talk about women at certain phases in their life and we're like, women are crazy. A lot of that is, you know, just the perception of the feminine, but a lot of that is that insecure attachment. And there is a lot of research actually that says that women are more likely to be anxious attachment style. Men are more likely to avoid it, which is what I've experienced Mm -hmm. a lot in my life. And so if you are someone that has felt that like discomfort of feeling not deeply attached to your partner, not feeling connected to your partner, not feeling like it's for me, it's also the feeling of they can never do enough to satiate or satisfy me because I don't feel securely attached in the relationship or feel securely attached to myself. So this will be something that gives you so much peace, so much solace, so much confidence, so much like equanimity in yourself. It's just such a powerful thing. And I really wasn't able to also experience true intimacy in my relationships and in my friendships until I was able to be securely attached. And I think having secure attachment with one person, us as a model, has helped me model it in my other relationships now. And it's helped me set this tone and standard that now I can like sit with and be with, which is so incredibly powerful. So it gives you peace. It gives you peace of mind. It gives you confidence. It gives you clarity. And it really is the way to have true intimacy as two individual persons. Mm -hmm. In the book Attached, which I highly recommend reading if you're interested in this type of work, but they do talk about how a secure person, someone who has a secure attachment style, is able to influence by proxy the other person. So it's like, so what you're saying, like our relationship as a model where we've gotten to a place of secure attachment and how that has bled out and really influenced other relationships is really you being in a secure place and being able to essentially rub off on another because If you have an avoidant and an anxious, they're going to literally repel each other to those extreme ends of where they are attached. And so with a secure, it almost like draws them in where it's like, hey, like you are safe here. We are you are grounded in this relationship and you're modeling that and they feel safer not to be so in their anxious state, so in their avoidant state. So it's just really interesting how once you're able to say master this in one relationship, inevitably it probably bleeds to many others. Yeah. And in the book, it talks about 
before we are able to understand this, the attachment theory, that there's three main attachment styles. There's like, they talk about four as well, but there's really three main, which is secure, anxious, or avoidant. They have anxious avoidant too, that they talk mm -hmm. about sometimes. But before we're able to understand that attachment style, you might see someone that is secure as boring. You know, I think for a lot of us when we grow up, especially when we're younger, when we're in our teens and we're in our 20s and we're dating, we see the ones that are the men that are mostly avoidant for anxious attached women as the ones that we want. You know, that's like the goal is to really get them to love you, to get them to see you. And we can really in that instance and situation see our inner child, really trying to get those parents that were neglectful that we're not, you know, consistent with us, that we're not always there for us trying to love us. And we're just really laying on to the person that we want to date us, those things that we need to heal within our parent dynamic and structure. But I'd love to talk about for us, like our attachment style journeys, like how those have looked throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was thinking about this, I mean, I couldn't help but go back to childhood. And I think that's where so much of our attachment styles originate, though in the book they do talk about certain gene expressions can influence that as well as your adult romantic relationships for sure. So basically what does impact your attachment style is a mosaic of factors. Your early connection to your parents are genes, which is a dopamine receptor DRD2 mm -hmm. allele and the variant of serotonin 5-HT1A. And then also your romantic experiences as adults. So those cocktail of factors are what really impacts it. But you were saying about your childhood. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, overall, I had quite caring and attentive parents to the children. They were like, they made their life about the kids. So it was really interesting to think about how my attachment styles of anxious or my subsequent attachment styles in my teens and 20s of anxious and avoidant in different ways, which I'll get into. I'm like, okay, so if they were caring and attentive parents, w where did that come from? And in therapy, I really discovered that it was their relationship at times where I felt the fluctuations in mood, in connection, just in temperature, you know, in the room, in the house. And as the eldest child, I definitely took that on as my responsibility to manage, make better, to change. I remember, yeah, there were just times as a kid where I would be in my room and like, I think my way of metabolizing whatever conflict they were having was like, I was like punching a pillow or I was like crying or like kind of talking to them, but not talking to them. I'd like yell at the pillow, yeah. like, stop it. Stop. What would you, you say? Oh, I just say like, stop it. What, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of you out there experience some form of this. You know, I think it, it is, maybe it's not, but I think it is common for, for parents to fight, I, especially yeah. back then they didn't have the awareness of how it affected the child. Totally. So I think because they were children themselves, they were only thinking about themselves. Sure. Just in my experience, it was like, yeah, there was no thought of, because I remember consoling, working with their, you know what I mean? Being the person totally. that was. Totally. Yeah. You know, when I look back, I think our parents, at least that generation, this is a generalization, where there was so much sacrifice on their end, you know, and it, they wore it as like a badge where it's like, I am sacrificing for my kids. I do this for my kids. And so when they fought, there wasn't this thought of how this affects the kids. It's like, 
it's almost doing so it's much. the spillover of the sacrifice of whatever. So what I noticed myself when I reflected back, I would be anxious about like, what was my dad's mood coming in? What was how's my mom's state of being? Walking on eggshells was definitely like a common feeling that I had, depending on like what the mood was in the house. And I just I know that either I would try to make it better by performing, by being like funny or light or just trying to switch the mood or I would mood match. So I would match their mood. I would subconsciously take it on as my responsibility or like, oh, did I do something? So really, really interesting. I think less with my siblings when I was younger. I was kind of the boss. So they could probably say about me that they definitely felt maybe an anxious relationship with me. I'm not sure. But I think as the eldest child, I tried to set the tone in a lot of ways. And then in friendships as a child, I just remember like early on, if someone, you know, kids, yeah, they're like, you, I remember I like plums as like a snack. You know, you can choose plums, Lucky Charms, or pretzels as a snack in kindergarten. And I just loved plums and like orange juice or something. And my friend was like, if you don't choose Lucky Charms of chocolate milk, like you are not my friend anymore. But I remember the feeling of like, oh my God, like she's mad at me. I did something wrong. Mm. And just kind of this attack, like it's so ridiculous. Mm. And I wasn't at that age secure enough to just be like, no, I like plums and orange Mm. juice. Mm -hmm. Come back to me when you're less mad. So I think, you know, in those moments, it just obviously perpetuated as I got older to have that tendency to be more anxious in relationships, to feel like the weight or the health of the relationship kind of leaned on me. And then I was reflecting yesterday. I was like, oh, I was, as I was anxious with a lot of like women and friendships and kind of within my family, I was avoidant with boys. I don't know how you were like young when boys started to like girls. I was not there yet. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the feeling of like, I like you. I th- you're going to make me happy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you make me feel a type of way, happy, whatever. And I was like, no, I don't want that responsibility. I don't like that feeling. Like was very avoidant with that, which was really interesting. But I didn't see that affection modeled in my parents necessarily. So I, I was a little freaked out. So it was very foreign to me in its origins. And we can go into kind of like more adult romantic and friendship. But that was an interesting like origin mm-hmm. point for me. Where I was like, okay, like obviously my parents had such an impact, but it was in ways that I didn't necessarily expect because if I look back, I'm like, oh, they were good parents. They were very affectionate and caring and tended. And a lot of times with attachment styles, there's neglect that mm-hmm. causes some of the anxiousness. I think from a child's brain and a child's development, there's neglect happening, but our adult brains are like, no, neglect wasn't happening, mm-hmm. you know? So I think we kind of over-index on our on what happened in a way that we're processing it as an adult when really as a child, you're like with four kids, that's a lot mm-hmm. for any two parents or any people. Not that I'm saying your parents are not the best, but it's like, it's just, I think that the actual care and attention that a child actually desires mm-hmm. is so much deeper and greater than we think they actually do need as a parent. Oh, sure. You know, most tribes and most 
like ways of raising children. You know, Sex at Dawn talks about this a lot. Like they have the children with them on the mother until they're like three, mm-hmm. you know, and just even primates, the baby is with the mother until they're like very old. So I think the needs of children is actually greater than sort of what we we think. And it could be small things that are really creating a situation that could have like the insecure attachment. But I think the modeling of the parents and their relationship is really true. Mm. I think that's a really, really great point. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him. It still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time. But let me just say, this is new. Like, this is a new type of audio that um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future, um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, This morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, Yesterday I did a pep talk uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just... I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, It's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, And we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. I am juggling quite a bit lately. I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how 
passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets, whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste amazing unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. I think for me growing up, mine was... I think wavered quite a bit in I might have the insecure or the fearful fearful avoidant because I did have anxious moments and I did have secure moments and then I did have avoidant moments. But I think mine developed really into more avoidant for most of my high school and college where I was like people that are dependent are losers, people that rely on other people are losers, like people it just had this sort of like rebel rejection idea of having intimacy and connection to people and feeling like if I needed someone else, that there was something wrong with me because I had tried to have that connection and it was rejected. Mm. So then I was like, well, fuck that. Like childhood. Yeah. Why would I want to do that? Because my parents work both worked a lot and they weren't home quite a bit. So we had caretakers. We had people that supported us, but there wasn't really like a secure attachment because of the mental health of my parents and sort of what had gone on. And so there was this like deep desire and craving for like a intimate connection that was stable, that was present, that was there. And I think from this perspective now, like the way that I have seen how I've grown up really mirrored in my friendships and then mirrored in my romantic relationships, I'm so grateful because I always felt securely attached to my dad. Mm. Although he wasn't as present as I actually think my younger self thought he was. When he was, he was very there. So I've had very secure attachments with men, but it's been more of a focus of my women is feeling very insecurely attached. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because there's like levels to the attachment. So I felt securely attached to men, but in my perception of what I felt like was securely attached, it was actually more avoidant. I perceived it as securely attached because I felt like I was in control. So I think there's a line too where people perceive themselves to be securely attached, but they're actually avoidant and they're in control of the situation. So it feels safe for them. So there's a safeness of actual intimacy where you can actually have rupture. You can be out of control. You can be in equal standing in the relationship 
and have true intimacy where there is vulnerability. And then you can have perceived secure attachment where you're actually avoidant, but you're in control because you're not showing true intimacy or vulnerability. So I think for me, that was like a good portion of my relationships with men where I was like more avoidant, but it felt secure because I wasn't fully sharing or showing myself. I think a lot of women experience that. I'll just generalize with women in a heterosexual situation where like, I think what you're describing, a lot of women might see men as seemingly like stable, secure, but they're wondering why he's not fully committing, but they blame themselves. Yeah. So they're he's saying like, you know, I like you. This is great. I'm just not ready right now to like commit or kind of go there on the intimacy end that you're describing. But I think as women, sometimes with a little bit of that anxious attachment are kind of leaning into what you perceive as their secure. Yep attachment when it's really Mm. more avoidant than secure. That's such a great point. Yeah, that's such a great point. So people that have anxious attachment style tend to be clingy, tend to be highly sensitive to criticism. They need approval from others. They can be jealous. They have difficulty being alone. They have low self-esteem. They have an intense fear of rejection. They have fear of abandonment. They have difficulty trusting others. In both attachments, avoidant and anxious, you have a difficulty trusting other people. And they really act out and say things that they later regret just because they have desire of getting that reaction from that. So if you're someone that can blow up or you can really just always seek more chaos in the relationship, it might be because you have an attachment wound that is being activated so that you can get that connection to the other person through the conflict. Right. And I think you see that a lot with women, especially in your college. Oh, yeah. I mean... The drama. The drama, the having the resolution, mm-hmm. like that whole thing was like a whole a whole journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can just take a moment to kind of describe the different attachment styles mm-hmm. just so people have like, you know, very clear. So you just described the anxious mm-hmm. attachment. So avoidant, and you mentioned this with your late teen years, early 20s, idealize a life of self-sufficiency. You look down on dependency always really maneuvering to keep people at a distance. You might persistently just avoid the emotional and physical intimacy with people, feel a strong sense of independence. Like I said, you're uncomfortable expressing your feelings, are dismissive of others and their feelings. You have a hard time trusting people. You might feel threatened by anyone who tries to get close to you. You spend more time alone than interacting with others and you believe you don't need others in your life. Yeah. And I think the threatened by anyone who tries to get close to you is very interesting because you might be turned off or I'll say for myself, like I would be turned off or I would be freaked out or weirded out by people that would try. Yeah. Like almost like it was a turnoff for people that would want to be really close to me that were a secure attachment because I would spend so much of my energy focused on the insecure Mm -hmm. attachment relationships. And this would happen so much with women where I would be in relationship or friendship or proximity to women that I would idealize, that I would pedestal, that I would have insecure attachments with. And I would focus most of my time trying to figure out what I could do in that relationship to have them like me, them see me, to have their attention or their affection. And it would just take up so much of my psychic space and energy because I didn't feel worthy enough of the attachment or I felt like I needed their approval 
sure to like exist sure yeah it's been and we'll get into friendships because I think that's a a huge threshold that I think we meet as women yeah as we get older especially approaching our 30s but just to describe a secure attachment this type of attachment style means you feel comfortable with intimacy your emotional system doesn't get too riled up in the face of a threat as with anxious but doesn't get shut down either as with avoidant So just some signs, ability to regulate your emotions, you are easily trusting of others, you have effective communication skills, you have the ability to seek emotional support, you are comfortable being alone, comfortable in close relationships, you have the ability to self-reflect in partnerships, you are easy to connect with, you manage conflict well, you have high self-esteem. You have the ability to be emotionally available, reliable, consistent. You welcome intimacy, very little drama in your relationships. And as Chris was saying earlier, like sometimes can be perceived as kind of boring. Yes. I have Alyssa Nobrega, who's a friend. She was saying that, you know, if you have three people, you have the person that you have like the fireworks spark with. You have the person that you see as boring. And then you have the person that just kind of piques your interest, but like doesn't really seem exciting. She's like, you should go for that person. The person that like you're interested in, but they seem more level is the type of person that you're not trauma bonding with. You're not like trying to seek because you're trying to heal an attachment wound. And I think that's so interesting because I've only gone for sparks in my life. Yeah. But I also think it's sparks, but I'm not, I've had healthy long-term relationships. I've dated a lot of people. And so it hasn't, I don't really go for trauma bond in the way that it's super sparky, but there is something where I'm like, there has to be a yes. I think that's interesting and going to be interesting for me as I think about dating. When you say spark, do you mean drama or do you mean like, what do you mean by spark? Yeah, there isn't drama. Right. There but isn't spark drama. is more so like. A- no, she means. Yeah, she. I guess she means spark in the way of like trauma bonding. Drama. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, mm-hmm. he doesn't like me at all, you know, but I want to make him like me. Right. Or like he gives me a crumb mm-hmm. and I'm going to take that crumb and, and hopefully I can work or bend or contort myself enough to get more. Sure. You know, those women that are like, sure. they're just. And I think that's what definitely categorized dating in my 20s in New York and L.A. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where it's just like. I was anxious. I was seeking out more avoidant people who wouldn't call me to a more secure place because anxious felt pretty pretty much normal and like home and that whole dance like that tango you do yeah where you know they are available when it's convenient for them Mm -hmm. they are wanting more of the physical connection preferably late night and not really wanting a commitment not having to show up and do the consistent dates every Mm -hmm. single week or meet your friends or what have you. And I settled for that and was okay with that for so long because of that feeling you were describing of like, I loved at the time that feeling of, let me show them why I'm amazing. Let me be everything they've ever wanted and more. Let me be thoughtful. Let me be considerate. Let me go above and beyond in this relationship. And what ended up happening nine times out of 10 was that they experienced it from my perception that it was too much. I was overgiving and not feeling like I was being appreciated. And 
I just kind of felt, I felt like an asshole, to be honest. You know, I was just kind of like, I felt like I was playing a part. I was playing a part and I was also playing to an audience of no one where I was like doing this whole rigmarole mm -hmm. and there was no, it was not penetrating the other person in any way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I even feel like that was like, I remember being, going to college in Ohio. It was like, you were the cool, I was like the cool girlfriend if I did certain things. And it was this like trope, yes. the cool girl trope yes, where it's like, exactly. I'm going to be so hot and I'm going to wear a crop top. I'm going to love sports and I'm going to talk shit about other girls because girls are so freaking stupid and they're crazy and I'm yep. going to like drink beer and I'm going to be basically a dude, but like really hot dude. Yep. And whatever, like go out with your boys. Like I'll yes. see you later. I'm chill. Like, I'm cool. I'll yeah. Like the being the chill was like how you got attention and affection, but those dudes were actually like so stupid. Because we were seeing a lot of women around us, or at least I was in my 20s where like, I would categorize them as, quote, psycho. Oh, oh, yeah. They were going crazy. And I'm like, let me balance out and actually yes. stand out uh -huh. by being unfazed and just 100%. cool with whatever. They would, like, tell me about girls they took up with. I was like, that's fucking sick. <laughs> and then you did what? You're, like, hot. Yeah, it was, like, cool. <laughs> I was like, that's lame anyways. <laughs> it's also the scarcity mindset of yeah. there's only so many guys. I have to differentiate myself from the women. I have to be different than them. Mm -hmm. I have to be better than them in some way. So I'm going to do that through these type of mechanisms. But really, I just think college was like really the place where I felt like you could really see the attachment styles because mm. people were drunk. They were like, so you saw the anxiousness of calling a hundred times, of staying totally. with men that, you know, gave you nothing. And then men being incredibly avoidant of intimacy and having dated in my past, people that have been avoidant, it is so painful, so painful to be with. I'm like, if I had a moment, I would sit here and cry about it because it's just. And I wasn't even in the end as insecure. I had anxious attachment, obviously, but I wasn't even in the end anxious. I was more secure than anxious and it's still just being with someone that's avoidant is so painful mm -hmm. it's like you're just kind of searching for something and you're just thriving off of like so little yes. and you have so little access to intimacy and you think that if you change enough or if you do as many things if you say the right thing if you perform in the right way if it's only a matter of time before you are able to crack and make them not be avoidant yeah. it's so time-consuming and exhausting and takes commitment from both parties. And in the book Attached, I love what they said. If you're still in a relationship, remember that just because you can get along with anyone doesn't mean you have to. If you're unhappy after having tried every single way to make things work, chances are that you should move on. It's in your best interest to end a dysfunctional relationship rather than to get stuck forever with the wrong person just because you're secure. Mm -hmm. which I love because I think there's so much self-responsibility that we love, that we talk about, that we believe in, but also just remembering that when you are in a relationship, and I want to do a podcast about this, you are co-creating this specific chemistry cocktail that might not be created with anyone else. And so you might have someone that you date that you're with that is like a completely different person when they're with someone else. Yes. You know, they could date someone else and be a perfect, an amazing angel that is so incredible and so all these things. And you could be an amazing angel, incredible with another person, 
But when you come together, there's a very specific karma that you have. There's very specific healing that you have. There's very specific codes that you're going to unlock together that sometimes is toxic. Yes. And so it's like whatever you're co-creating in the relationship might not be you, might not be them, but might be the chemistry and energy that you share amongst each other that brings specific things out. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing to think about. And I think there's a balance in that. I do think that there are personality traits and or patterns of behavior that someone's going to bring to every relationship no matter what. Yeah, you know, that, very true. That they absolutely should need to clean up at some point. And they otherwise they're going to see those same relationship patterns pop up. But I do agree in that maybe in the, in another relationship, that person who was experiencing some negative behavioral patterns in one relationship, the next one isn't activating it as much. It doesn't mean they still don't have it to work on, but it's almost like it lays dormant because this other person doesn't activate it as much, which could be good, could be kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah, that's true. To work on that thing. But I, yeah, I completely agree. And if I look back on my romantic relationships, you know, through whether it's like through high school, college, and then into my years in New York and LA when I was dating, I think back to my first one in high school, it was actually very secure. So I'm surprised by the trajectory of like going into like a very anxious state in college with my college boyfriend. But each one really showed me and activated something within me that surprised me in kind of a negative way where I'm like, whoa, like I didn't know that this part of me existed. That could be whether it's like really jealous or part of me that gets really anxious when you communicate like just very direct truth with me. Like I get very anxious because it's saying something about me or, but it's all been like, yeah, feedback. And it's been all very like purposeful. I don't think I've gotten it, quote unquote, until my 30s, to be honest. But in looking back, it's kind of nice. And if you're listening to this, it is kind of nice to like do a little reflective moment about your relationships and how they've kind of unlocked certain aspects of you, whether good or bad. And we don't even have to look at it like that. It's just what is and how you've been able to kind of work with it and alchemize it over the years. And hopefully, whether it's now or soon, get to a more secure place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my first love, like I had a few relationships before my first love, but that was in high school and into college. And that was the first relationship where I was so incredibly anxious because there was so much to lose. It was the first person that I truly loved, you know, the first real intimacy that I felt with someone and the first person that I felt secure for the first part of it and felt like was going to be in my life forever. I think you think that a lot with your first love. But then when we were going to break up and things started to unravel, it was like, that's when I felt anxious. And that feeling Mm -hmm. is the worst. You feel so out of control. You feel so out of, yeah, you just feel so unsafe. Like it just takes over your mind. And I wish I would have had an understanding of what was happening because it was so uncomfortable to feel that and to feel, yeah, that loss of control. So basically after that, I over-indexed and then would be avoidant, Mm -hmm. you know, with people. And I actually feel bad for my next relationship because I feel like I was so avoidant of intimacy. And I think this person was really available for intimacy. 
And that was our, what we co-created. That's what he was looking for. That's what I was looking for. But I basically, from that point, became more of an avoidant. That's like a protective. Yeah, as a protective mechanism. It's not safe. I can't trust people. I can't trust men. I can't trust my intimate relationships. And then would be more avoidant, secure with men, and then, you know, pretty much anxious avoidant with women throughout my trajectory. Like, would be avoidant if I felt like they wanted too much from me, if they were projecting on me, if they needed too much from me but then be anxious if I pedestalized them and I looked up to them and felt like they were someone that wouldn't allow intimacy. Mm -hmm. I almost felt comfortable a lot of times with women that had a guard up or don't couldn't be intimate with people because I was like, oh, this is safe. I can go as far as I want and they're always going to have a wall up. I even have a friendship like that in my life where I actually love her so much because she's so guarded and it's like very fun for me to be with her. Because I can be as emotionally available as I want. And I know that it will stop at a point mm -hmm. that she's going to protect herself with. And so it's actually very pleasurable for me because I don't have to have my own guard up mm. because I know she has her guard up. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You know. Oh, y'all, I am wearing my shorts and my skirts and my dresses and my legs are out and I'm just so excited about it because I have my Osea Andaria Algae Body Oil and it is keeping me glowing. <laughs> it's making my legs and my arms look just so fresh so alive, to be honest, and so young. Um, I love this product. It is from Osea Malibu. They just know what they're doing over there. They've been doing it for over 28 years. Skincare is their jam. It's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and is clinically proven, okay? It's infused with seaweed, which is the star of the show here, and I just love the products. They really work. So the body oil is so rich, but it's never greasy, Okay, and it's clinically proven to improve skin elasticity immediately. It's visibly firming your skin and makes the skin feel more sculpted and toned, which we love. It's so amazing. Overnight, you can do this during the day or overnight. I do it overnight, but I love the Andaria Algae Body Butter because I would just wake up so insanely moisturized. It's indulgent and it's really great for crepey skin. I'll put it on my knees and my elbows and anywhere that's like kind of dry. It's clinically proven to hydrate for 72 hours. It just transforms the skin. You're going to be obsessed. And then finally, the anti aging body balm. Yo, I mean, hello silky lotion serum. It just melts into my skin. I feel like it lifts and tightens and tones all over. I'm obsessed. Perfect for summer, baby. So glow from the inside out with clean vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code A30POD at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order. They're so good about that. And free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code a 30pod, A30pod for 10% off. Okay, this app has been with me through seasons of wanting to prevent pregnancy and also get pregnant. The app is Natural Cycles. It is a leading women's health company that they created the world's first FDA cleared birth control app. So the app's algorithm uses hormone driven changes in body temperature to let users know when they're fertile and not fertile. It is so easy y'all. Every single morning I wake up, I have the uh, thermometer on my bedside table and then I take my temperature. I input the temperature into the app and boom, there you 
go. Um, it is 93% effective with typical use and 98% effective with perfect use. It's pretty incredible. Um, I know a lot of people are just thinking about their birth control. Uh, A lot of people are going off hormonal birth control. This is an incredible, incredible option for you. I've been using it for a couple years now. Um, and again, it is so easy. So the algorithm uses the body temperature to determine where a user is at in their cycle. The more they measure, the more data it will have. Um, And if you have an aura ring, by the way, it syncs with your aura ring and it'll take your temperature automatically. Pretty cool. You can trust natural cycles for the past 10 years. They have been setting the precedent for non-hormonal and non-invasive birth control without sacrificing effectiveness. They were the first to introduce a birth control app, the first to receive FDA clearance as a birth control app, and the first birth control app to integrate with that wearable device, the aura ring. They're the best. I'm excited for you all. Listen. As our listener, you are going to get a discount plus a free thermometer, baby. Use code almost30 at naturalcycles.com to get 15% off an annual subscription plus a free thermometer. That's naturalcycles.com. You're going to use the code almost30 to get 15% off an annual membership and a free thermometer. I wanted to just note this this shift that you were describing and that I was describing from anxious attachment to avoidant that we've both experienced. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about it and like in my long-term college relationship, I definitely went from anxious to secure at some point in the relationship for sure and then to avoidant. And I think there's something that happens and we were with um, a friend of a friend the other night who described going from avoidant to more anxious in her marriage and they ended up not staying together but there's like a power play there where if you're someone who was anxious for so long feeling oh feeling that feeling for so long there's a resentment that could build subconsciously or consciously and then when you shift into avoidant it's like I've got the power now dude I've got the I remember that feeling in my college relationship And I didn't know that that's what I was enjoying was kind of the power back, you know, for so long, he was kind of dictating how I felt, not knocking him, but I let that happen. And then when I took the power back and was like, kind of keeping him at a distance, I felt powerful again. Totally. So baller. And it's like, yeah, but like, you don't need to go to the avoidant. You can absolutely be in a more secure place. Mm -hmm. And maybe end the relationship because yes. it's not for you. Yeah. But I just realized that it was much more for me of like a power play whenever I would be avoidant. I know. That's been my whole thing. Power and control is the avoidant yeah. vibe. To stay in control of your own emotions, of how much access someone has to you, of how much people can see you, of what they're seeing, of the level of intimacy. Like it's such a power control thing. And for me, the anxious... When I have felt anxious, it's like feels out of control. And I hate that feeling. Mm -hmm. It's like, and I can catch it now. It's like doesn't really happen as much anymore. But I think within our friendship, and we can talk about the journey of our friendship. Because when we first met, you know, so long ago, and I feel like I was so much less conscious than I am now, I think I was mostly avoidant in our connection for the first couple years, probably from 2016 until 2020. And then in 2020 was when 
I think it it was not avoidant, avoidant, avoidant. It, it evolved to sure. more secure. But I think there was a turning point in our relationship, many small turning points, actually, many moments of true intimacy and true safety and true security that would happen. Mm -hmm. And for anyone listening, just as examples, those are things like you always answer when I call or call me back. Mm -hmm. Small, but stupid. Every time I could say anything, you are always like, the reaction is always available and open. So I could say things that are completely inappropriate, completely crazy, completely out of anger, completely out of spite, completely out of the lower part of me. And it's always okay. It's never judged. And so that means safety and security for mm -hmm. me. I'm like, okay, this is safe and secure. Or it would be like just the small rupture, hard conversations where we would have a hard conversation, come back stronger, come back with more love, come back with more acceptance, really provided in those moments before we were able to really have deeper intimacy, the opportunity for me to have more intimacy and to feel safe and to have that part of me that feels like it has to be in control to like take a little step back mm -hmm. because it's like we can have this without feeling like you need to be in control. Right. And then there were just moments over our course of 2020 just feeling like, oh, in my deepest, darkest challenge, I can still trust and be here and feel like this person's not going to go away. And so then it basically became secure. But then when you become secure, there could be that moment where you're like, I could lose it. Sure. And then it becomes anxious because you're like, what if it then goes away? Mm -hmm. Totally. And I started out in our relationship anxious. So we were a perfect match. But I think also that we had the layer of our friendship and business. And I think my anxiousness was very much tied up in what we were building. I would just feel like, how am I contributing to this in a way that is enough, that is like as impactful as Krista, who's coming from the corporate world, knows how to run a business, knows how, you know, like, mm -hmm. and you were starting your own business for the first time. Yes. In this way. Yeah. You had your travel business, you had your blog, but like, no, totally. But you had the experience. And so in those foundational times, I was so, I was so insecure and it, it really affected our ability to connect in a real way and be intimate. I think like we did our best, yeah. but I really, it was so, so hard for me to get over myself in that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's the worthiness, I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. What I'm providing is not enough. Also the like being in relationship with another woman. It's yeah. comparative in your reptilian brain naturally. Exactly. Is she, you know, is she better than me? Is she saying more than me? Is she funnier? Is she all the things? Is she like whatever? Mm -hmm. So there's that going on too, which you have to like remedy in your mind and be okay yeah. with. And I had a history as you all have heard, I'm sure in other episodes, just in high school, especially where women to me, I was like, I'm over you. Yeah. I don't trust you. Like just the bullying thing. I'm like, yo, I'm out. I don't need to be in intimate relationships with women. Yep. So even though I was anxious and wanting the validation from you and wanting that connection, I think there was a part of me that didn't know how. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm not worthy of this because I haven't had it in a long time. 
and I don't trust myself to maintain it, you know, all that stuff. Well, it's like you wanted it from me because you knew I wasn't going to give it to you, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, Mm -hmm. if I was, you probably wouldn't have wanted it from Mm -hmm. me, you know, because we have this perfect match for healing for our, and it felt like to me, like, yeah, I just felt at moments, it made me even more in my control and power. Yeah, it's a power dynamic yeah. that we played into. Totally, totally a power dynamic. Yeah, it made me even more in that. And that was just so, there's the part of me that loves that dynamic. That's like, yes, obviously. But sure. then there's the part of me that's just, yeah, it's not, it's not the most loving heart-centered state sure. to be in. And I was obviously facilitating it, but it doesn't feel comfortable. But it really fed into my avoidancy and I was avoidant very much. And then you know, with the transitions in our relationship and then like becoming secure and then feeling like it might go away with your move and just like all of our life transitions brought up more of me feeling anxious. Yeah. And I think, and I want to hear about that and we've talked about it, but it's really, it's so real when you have like these life transitions with close friends, it can bring up so much insecurity, you know, about like, so was this going to change? Are we going to like what's happening here? And for good reason, you know, because things do change. Mm-hmm. Like there's inevitably things that change when you have a big move, you get married, you'd get a divorce, you, you know, start a new business on the side, you do whatever. There's inevitably things that are going to change. But I think when you are in a secure place, like you said, you kind of fear when is is the other shoe going to drop? What's going to change about this? I don't want this ever to change. Like, this is ideal. It was the first secure for me. Yes. yes. You know, so like I've had touches and tastes and I've gotten closer to it, but it was the first truly secure with the amount of vulnerability yes. and opportunity for loss if it yes. didn't go well. Yes, that makes complete Business, sense. team, dreams, life, friendship, intimacy. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, so it's like the, the greatest mm-hmm. risk. Mm-hmm. And I think I, being anxious for so long within our friendship, then becoming more yes. avoidant, I was kind of like, I'm fucking tired of being anxious yeah, in our dude. friendship. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of like doubled down on the avoidant because I was like, I need a moment to recalibrate. This is me reflecting now. I didn't know that in the moment. Yes. <laughs> but I needed a moment to recalibrate and just be like, who am I? Because I've been comparing myself and like, you know, doing all of that within the relationship and also just kind of like reckoning with like, okay, so my life is changing, right? Sean and I reconnected in 2019. We got engaged in 2021, whatever, all the things happening. And you're going through various stages of change as well. And I just kind of had to be like earmuffs on and be like, who am I? What do we want? What's happening? Because I'm so sometimes I can be very much affected by how other people feel about what I'm doing or going through. But that turned into avoidant, you know? And so like in looking back, obviously we needed to move through that, but I, I feel like I could have been more communicative in how I was feeling and what I was moving through. But candidly, I don't know if I was super aware in the moment for me, my processing takes a little bit of time and then I can kind of yeah. like communicate it. You're really good with like in the moment. For the most part, mm-hmm. I feel like you're able to just like say how you feel in the moment. And sometimes I'm like, let me 
take a pause and I need to like understand how I feel because sometimes I'm reactive mm-hmm. and it's actually not totally aligned with truly how I feel. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like it was for me, it felt like just individuation. Yeah. You know, I felt like it was like, oh, yes, I've had the luxury of having you as my pet. And I was like minion. Yeah. <laughs> as my little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> as my I just I just felt like I had the luxury of having you as my as just I do something you do something you do something I do something you know just yeah, like yeah, okay yeah. we're just cruising through life exactly and I could dance partner baby yeah, a tango I, yes. two to tango salsa, whatever <laughs> exactly my mork to my Mindy my <laughs> whatever but yeah I felt like I was like oh there needs to be like an individuation process because I'm no longer the sole also, to the sole source of who you were looking to for validation, I think. Sure. You know, and I think now that doesn't happen or that's different. You know, you just have like deeper connections with the more people in your life that are more secure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It and felt- deeper with us. Like, I feel like we're in a secure place. Yeah. We're oh, yeah. like. Oh, yeah. So it's like it's less of a. Yes. That codependency. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it didn't feel the anxiousness. And, you know, for the example, you moved to New York. Mm-hmm. I was in Los Angeles. So we record the podcast on both coasts. We travel for the podcast. You had just moved to New York a few months prior and you didn't want to travel. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, and you were like, hey, I just don't know if I want to travel. And I felt like for me, that kicked off the story that was, you don't want to be with me. You don't care about what we do. You don't da 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 da. And it's really the small part of me that's like, I'm I want to make this about the business because that feels like a valid thing Mm -hmm. rather than like I'm hurt and I feel rejected and Mm -hmm. I feel like you don't care about me. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just being pissed. I was like, dude, Mm -hmm. this would happen. Yeah. You let her go and she is now abandoned. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just like taking time and talking through that. And we had a clearing conversation on the beach. And yeah, it was it was really, really beautiful. But it was just so nice to be like, yo, I'm fully activated by yeah. what you said right now. And just, you know, you were like, yeah, I am too. And just taking time and taking space and like being able to acknowledge that feeling and that emotion and just kind of move through that has been so powerful. And knowing that like, it's okay, yeah, you know, to acknowledge the activation. <laughs> Okay, small daily actions, Ah, they just make a big difference. And I just cannot emphasize this enough. It creates this cascade effect and honestly a snowball effect. (laughs) So one begets the next really great positive small action, but it almost has like a bigger impact as the day, as the week goes on. Um, And I'm just someone who very much believes in this, whether you're like smiling at a stranger or maybe you wake up a little bit earlier to practice your meditation or maybe read part of the book that you're loving. Uh, Or maybe you integrate a healthy habit like taking a probiotic, which is something that I've been doing for a few years now. I've been taking Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic and I love it. And I've just noticed that this is the catalyst at the beginning of the day for a ton of healthy choices that I make. Um, And I've noticed a difference when I don't 
take it. Um, I forgot on vacation a few months ago and I noticed a difference. I was bloated. I wasn't as regular. I started to get a little breakout on my chin. Things were just going haywire. Um, so I'm just so thankful for seed. If you are someone who wants to support your gut or your skin digestion, your gut barrier integrity, oh, I recommend seed. Their DSO-1 daily symbiotic is incredible. What is different about Seed? So Seed's patented capsule and capsule design is so unique. It basically means that the fragile bacteria within the capsule can survive the journey. So from like shipping to your door to when you put it in your body all the way through your GI tract, um, all without synthetic or chemical coatings. Um, and this was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics in the microbiome. They are the best in the space. Um, so I just, I trust them and I've experienced incredible results. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash almost and use the code 25almost to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash almost. The code is 25almost. Just one piece on that where it was really helpful in that conversation and the ones that we had around that to understand. So if you're someone out there listening and you're able to have these conversations with people that you're in intimate relationships with, part of the beauty is not only learning about yourself and your attachment style, but also understanding the origins of where your friend is at. So to learn that you're working with abandonment stuff. And I could extrapolate that from like stories you've told me, but like for you to be in awareness and for me as a friend to witness and also be aware, knowing that or any like trust things, like it's just so helpful. So I'm not, I'm, I feel less reactive to those moments, uh, just as I'm sure you understand me on a deeper level when I'm, you know, acting a fool and it's like, I know this about her. Yes. I know she's working through this. And it just becomes such a better environment to like be who you are in the moment, but also just like grow and be loved and witnessed through that rather than like, I don't know what she's doing. Yeah. It's fucking annoying. It's fucking my shit up. It's like, yeah, no, like she's dealing, she had some serious like abandonment Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is totally activating that. I'm activating that Mm -hmm. right now. It's like thinking about it in a positive way because it brings compassion. It's like you love this person enough to activate those wounds in them. Mm -hmm. Like the people that activate the wounds in you on a soul level are so important. And that's such an important part of your growth. And sometimes when I do activate people, it's actually, there's a small part of me that's like, oh, I'm so grateful that they love me enough to be activated by me. Or to be like, hey, this bothered me. I'm like, oh my God, we're at an intimacy level where you're annoyed by me or like you're bothered by me or because then I'm off the pedestal and I'm out of the game of like, I'm the best person you've ever met. I'm the perfect friend. I'm no longer presenting as perfect. Yes. I'm now like the full human being. But yeah, I love the way that we've done it. You know, if I was to like rep any part of our process is like, we're not meeting and we weren't immediately like trauma bonding. Like, girl, what's your attachment style? What is like your wounding? What is your trauma? We never labeled ourselves in Mm -hmm. our relationship when we first met. We allowed the process of our understanding of our unique makeup of trauma, of attachment, of whatever to develop and uncover 
naturally and progressively as we deepened our intimacy so that you had access to that information about me because you were deserving of it. Not because you were a stranger, not because I wanted to be intimate with you, not because I wanted to label myself or make myself Mm -hmm. feel better because I had these things, but it was like, we've been friends for five years and now I'm going to tell you about this. Mm -hmm. And then because we're at this level where we have this agitation happening, let me let you in on something. Mm -hmm. I had this experience where this, and this is bringing this up. Mm -hmm. And now you can understand me and have more compassion for me. So Yes, us and our friendship and for anyone listening, when you're in your intimate relationships or romantic relationships, giving the right people access to the information about you is so important because actually people can weaponize that information. And I've had that happen in my relationships in my life where you think you're trying to be intimate with someone to create deeper intimacy, but actually the wrong person with the right information will weaponize it and harm you. And so the way that we've shared information about that so we could become closer has been really, really beautiful. And we don't take it for granted. We're very Mm -hmm. compassionate with it. We Mm -hmm. use it Mm -hmm. as a way to create deeper, deeper love and intimacy. Oh, yeah. And it's taught me so much. I feel like our relationship is, and we've said this, but like a model for my others. It's helped me with my relationship with Sean where Mm -hmm. like I don't go into my relationship with him like I used to wanting to change him yeah of course I don't oh go gosh. in wanting to change you there was probably points at which I was like yeah I wish she was like this or totally. I wish he was like mm-hmm. this and it's like it's just such a yeah more full experience to be in relationship with the whole person and over time be able to learn about the aspects of them that make them who they are in this moment to support and encourage growth when it's needed to hold them to a higher level of awareness that you know that they are working towards and maybe you can help them and vice versa. It's just so much more fulfilling than being like, hey, you need to be this person that makes me feel really comfortable. And I, in doing so, I'm going to avoid pain, discomfort, growth, all the things. Huge. So the way that we've become, you know, secure overall, besides using our own relationship as like a playground, besides acknowledging our feelings in the moment, And besides like unblending ourselves from the things that have brought us to that place and the unblending is an example like I had this type of abandonment. So this is bringing this up, you know, kind of creating a triangulation effect is through therapy. You know, Lindsay and I have been in therapy for four years now, you longer, five years now, very regularly. So having that person that you can have a secure attachment with, I mean, It is underrated how my therapist has really provided an example for me of how I can be myself in relationship and how I can build a secure attachment. So therapy is a huge one. And also coaching. We've done coaching over the years and having support in coaching has also been so helpful. Yeah, because it brings in the, so individual therapy Mm -hmm. and then coaching is really half group therapy together. And half kind of integrating the business aspects as well, because we're so it's not one in the same, but, you know, we can't talk about one without the other in our relationship in particular. So that's been just really nice to have a forum where you and I can come and have a mediation Mm -hmm. moment and both feel really seen and really heard. And also hear ourselves. Sometimes like I would come to our coaching and like I would hear myself saying something. I'm like, that's so interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, 
okay. Yeah. I, I kind of feel what's beneath that. Oh my God. Can we go a layer deeper? Cause I'm like, oh, I've been perpetuating this story that I'm saying right now. And I actually want to say something different. I actually feel something a, a little deeper. Yeah. I was talking to a friend the other day and I started to talk about something and she brought me to consciousness because she's like, oh, that's so, and I had no idea what I was saying, mm. but I was an unconscious program that I had been running started to come out. Mm. And I was like, what am I talking about? And it was like, and so we just have so many of that. Yes. So speaking it out and having a mirror that's conscious is so important. Also clearing conversations. And we've done a podcast on clearing conversations that will link. You did an amazing episode on that. And clearing conversations is really coming to the table very processed with someone. So very processed in your emotions, very aware of how you're feeling, very grounded, very in your body, seeing, you know, using phrases like the story I'm telling myself is help me to understand and looking at it through a lens of love rather than a lens of defense or ego yeah. can just change the game for your intimacy and coming in with the intention to become closer to the person you're having a conversation with rather than prove your point to be right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a big one because we could say like, oh, I don't need to be right. But it's like there's a subconscious part of us that really oh, <laughs> wants dude. to be validated and right. Totally. And I think in my secure relationships, I know that I can, I don't need to be perfect. I can be a little bit messy, especially with expressing my emotions. And I think the practice of has helped me to become even more secure. So in these relationships, sometimes in the past, I would hold back on expressing myself because I'm like, I just feel, I don't know how to say it. And sometimes my ability to practice just saying all that I can from this place of feeling is actually really therapeutic and also helps the other person, even if they don't fully understand, just be like, okay, wow there's something more here. And like, we've been operating on this surface level of frustration or whatever, but like, we can go a few layers deeper to kind of explore what you're expressing. And I've just felt so safe to do that with you, with Sean and my mm -hmm. other secure relationships. And it's just like, it's liberating a part of me that I feel like I've kind of pushed down for the sake of being acceptable, perfect, make other people feel comfortable. So that's been super important for me. And another important one for me has been like being able to take space. I think in our secure relationships, like we should be able to take space or take a pause if needed to come back to our own center so that we can reenter the conversation or the moment with a better understanding, like you were saying in the clearing conversation of like, how am I feeling? Where is this coming from? Like, what's the origin of this? Can I speak to this in a way that like I can really bring this person into like a collaborative understanding of what's happening? Because again, I'm not someone in the moment that feels like I can do that. So I've really had to give myself permission to be like, can we revisit this in like a couple hours or like tomorrow? I would love to talk about this. I just need a little time to process and understand like what's coming up. So to become more secure overall, therapy, coaching, not being afraid of your emotions, taking space, unblending with a partner and friend, your emotions and your moods. So creating space between your emotions and your feelings, having clearing conversations, and then affirming your relationships with words and actions. So creating 
when you're out of conflict, a very secure relationship with love is really important. So it's not just about conflict. It's not just about when you're activated. It's actually about the times in between when you mm -hmm. have control over a regulated emotion state where you can just fill that person and that relationship with love. It's so easy to be on autopilot in our relationships. And I have to remind myself with just like telling my friends, telling my partner, telling my family, telling people in my life that I'm like, you know what, I really appreciate you because, or even just with actions, like just thoughtfulness or caring and concern, whatever it is, it's just, yeah, I think with some of our secure relationships, we can become a little complacent at times. Mm -hmm. And like, those are the ones that I feel like we really can double down on and pour into in that way. Yeah. Last story. I think the time where I really wanted to do this episode where I felt the most secure was like a few weeks ago when you called when you were activated about something mm -hmm. and just like we processed for like two hours and we got off the phone and I was like just literally went on with my day like nothing happened mm -hmm. <laughs> where I didn't yeah. think about it again same I didn't like I didn't question it I didn't think about what I said I didn't think about if I said something that was right or wrong mm -hmm. I didn't I just was like that happened and it was like completely done yeah and I was like okay yeah and I knew I also it was a secure attachment too because I knew but I knew it activated parts of you yeah and I was like, yeah, I know. Totally. Yeah. And I think it was an important practice for me because, again, like we can get into kind of the pattern of like either you bringing things up because mm -hmm. you've become so practiced and so good at it. And I think, again, mine is a little delayed in my processing. So it's like I, yeah, I just felt that ping of like, no, I care about this yeah. relationship and I just really want to like talk about it right now and I'm not afraid of it coming out perfectly and just – yeah, that desire to clear the distortion in what was happening because I was like very aware of like my own perception of it being a little distorted mm -hmm. and being like, no, we have the power, we have the tools, we can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right, y'all. If you want to be like us, you want to be like click us. Click the link below. Yeah, literally. We've got a new course called Attached. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> called Absolutely Attached. <laughs> And abundant. AA. Yeah, it's called Absolutely Attached and Abundant. <laughs> Join. The book Attached is really good. It's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend. And if this resonated, send to a friend. If you feel like you and your friends are going through this process, if you see your friend dating and they're going through a process where their attachment wound is coming up, it's always helpful to start conversation with people that you love when you share an episode with them. Thank you for subscribing to Almost 30, either on Spotify or iTunes. Thank you for listening to Morning Microdose, which is our daily dose of almost 30, some of the best clips and highlights from our show on a second channel and podcast. You can find us on YouTube for our beautiful, beautiful videos. And then Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And you can find me on Instagram at It's Krista. And I'm at Lindsay Simsick. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Next we'll week. see you soon. Bye. <laughs>